my god, I'm so excited. Welcome back to the Tough Love Terry podcast. In this episode, I am bringing you something special, and that is I am interviewing my sister, Corey Poon. And the reason why I wanted to bring her on is because we had two very different experiences growing up. We're only 18 months apart, but both of us were into different things. We, our bodies are completely different and our body image journeys, therefore, were very different. Um, despite having the same parents and going through the exact same things, we handled it differently, we'll say. And I'm really excited to chat with her because, I don't know, we just never really talk about this stuff one-on-one, so this was my opportunity to get to know her a little bit more. Um, I do want to mention as well that she has just recently opened up a gym facility, which is all-inclusive and uh, to help empower people. We talk about that in the episode, but I just wanted to say I'm super proud of her for everything that she's done. Uh, So without further ado, jump on into the old podcast and give it a listen. Before we fully jump in, I want to take a moment to remind you of the Beyond the Body member site. This is a space where I share daily different writings, uh, sometimes voice notes, and beautiful things to live an intentional, empowering life. Uh, So it's only $8 a month, and it does help to uh, facilitate this podcast, which is amazing. But more importantly, it allows you to get to know me on a whole different level than what you normally would see on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, While I share quite a bit of myself on those platforms, this one goes even a little bit deeper. And so this is specifically for folks who are looking for an an intentional, and I use that word because it just doesn't happen across your newsfeed. You do have to log in, you do have to show up, and you do have to engage with the content. Uh, But we have monthly challenges and really fun things to help you just become more self-aware and empowered and, you know, get closer to body and self-love, which is obviously my jam. So check it out. You can head to the website, terryhoffer.com and click on the Beyond the Body member sign up and just see what it's all about. All right, let's get into the episode. Wait. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Tough Love Terry podcast. And today I have a special treat for you. I am here with my sister, Corey, uh, the person that has known me the longest, uh, I would say more than all my other friends. So she knows all the dirty details. Uh, No, she doesn't. Only the ones I let her know, but I know all of hers. So that's what we're going to talk about on the podcast today. Get excited. Just kidding. She's like very nervous right now, Um, but she, yeah, you'll be fine, Corey. So Corey, how would you self-describe yourself? What's your elevator pitch? Me? Oh my goodness. There's so many parts of my life. I am a spunky 37-year-old. I have three kids who are the center of my life. But yet, um, I find I'm just starting to find myself at this point in my life. I'm starting to really find my strength and my, um, really what my, what my values are and what I want to determine as balance right now. Mm. And I find that everything in about the past year has really made me take an inner look at myself. And so, yeah, so I work full time. I'm going to school and I started a business with three kids. So I like chaos. 
what but i also like to be organized <laughs> so it's it's um it's all about balance do you think it's you like the chaos because it gives you something to organize i do and i for me and i'm not scared to admit it anymore i like to be needed i like that people depend on me um and that's one of the things is as my kids have gotten older and they've needed me less i found that i've had to like fill that void and find things um so that i'm not just wandering around like need me yeah <laughs> so as my sister you and i grew up very differently i think we are polar opposites in a lot of ways we have a lot of similarities which is why we can get along for the most part now um but growing up what did you think of me like and be honest about it because i think it's really important oh yeah no that's fine i mean i did not understand how you didn't care if you were liked or not mm. i didn't it was hard for me to i i was like that's boring how do you not need people to like you um how can you like band why don't you want to go to parties why don't you want to drink um did you it think was just was really weird? hard for me to accept that yeah like you thought, to, you thought i was weird yeah like it was just like that's odd yeah and that was like for me i would see the other i'm like why do people care so much about doing all these like normal teenagery things or whatever and for what i'm realizing now as an adult how i saw you was i saw you get in trouble for the things that i wished i could do so i never let myself do those because i didn't want to get in trouble so like because you were very like well we used to call you taz after tasmanian devil and that is now your name at the gym i believe that is yes um but because you are very outspoken and you will speak up when things are not comfortable for you and you will you will push back against things that you don't think are right or whatever and i saw that as a rebelliousness right as you would and so but you would get in trouble for that and so when I saw you get in trouble for that, I was the good kid. So I felt that I could never express those types of emotions. And so I actually, from watching you, I learned to repress anger, mm. sadness. And I, up until like the last year, haven't even let myself experience those. That's Isn't crazy. Isn't that weird? That is, that's weird. Yeah. And so it's interesting, like for those of you that don't know Corey, well, probably they're listening. They're like, who's talking now? Cause we sound so much the same on the <laughs> podcast. They're like, Oh, Carrie's <laughs> talking to herself. Um, but Corey and I are 18 months apart. So we're like not super far apart. We're not like super close in age, but we are the right amount. And you actually, yeah. when you had your kids, you made sure that, or you tried your best to make sure they were 18 months apart. Why? Oh yeah. The first two, cause I was like, I want them to have. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm a big traditionalist. So that <laughs> this is the way we've always done things. So my mom had kids close together and I loved it. So I had to, so I had the first two 18 months apart and I was like, what the hell is this? Like it was, <laughs> I love chaos, but that was, was like chaos. newborn potty training. Like, yeah, no. So then the second and the third are about 24 months apart-ish. So yeah, still close, but yeah. But it I was remember not. you saying, you're like, well, I liked 18 months apart. We like each other. So they'll like each other too, right? 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. But now one's a girl and one's a boy. The, the two that are 18 months apart. So they don't like each other right now. It's very different right now. They'll, they'll come around. Yeah. They, they do like each other. They Maddie do in their admitted, moments. Maddie admitted she missed the boys when she was at summer camp. So yeah. Yeah. So they do. But now let's get back to you for a second. <laughs> You're very, this is, this is what I noticed when I talk to parents or mothers specifically is they're like, let's talk about the kids. Cause that's way easier. Um, yep. talking about ourselves and so let's talk about your little journey that you've had uh, in finding yourself when you were younger did you who you are now or who you're finding yourself out to be do you see a resemblance between that person and who you were when you were younger oh yeah like I still have the the tenacity and the the spunk and the I'm not scared to speak my mind but I find I'm a lot more calculated now. I know there's a time and a place. Um, I know that I can catch, what is it, more flies with honey or whatever. So like I'm dealing with issues with shipping and I used to just get on the phone, reap them a new one and I would never get anywhere. Whereas now I'm pleasant and I get a lot further. Mm. So I understand there's a time and a place. And I think that comes with maturity and age. Um, but at the same point, I also do like a good fight. Like I would love, to, I love to argue and debate and like to be right. Well, yeah. So it's not that you like to debate. You just like to be right. I do. <laughs> yes. So the debating isn't fun though, if you're wrong. No, no. I just like, I just, I like, I like to share my points and I like to feel validated in my points. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so, and that's where I think I also learned to just be like, okay, let her have it. Cause you, she's get like a dog with a bone and we'll just like keep at it. So I'm like, my piece is worth something. I'm okay to just step away. Yep. Now. Um, so now growing up because we were so different, not just like personality wise, but obviously we also have very different body types. I'm quite tall, like 5'10", now about 300 and some pounds. You've always been like the other day you were like, uh, the people are normal height and which means that you don't think your height is normal. So how tall are you? I'm 5'4". Which is normal, by the way, friends, because um, there is no normal. There just is. Um, so, but your your body shape was also very different to mine. Like I'm very, I call myself a ruler, very straight. Even when I lost all my weight, I was still very rectangle. And you were always curvy. Even when you were yeah. little, you always had a, a butt, basically. A bubble butt. Yeah, the bubble butt. Um, and so your experience with body image was a little bit different than mine because I was always quite big. I always stood out from the class, like, because I was tall, but also big, like built like a brick shit house, as dad used to say. Yep. I was like, what a compliment for a teenage girl. Um, <laughs> but so I had to learn early on that my body was not going to be the thing necessarily that would get me my friends or boyfriends or whatever, because of the way society was. So I had to learn to be content with who I was personality wise and so on. And we never really talked about your body image and stuff like that until later on. I remember when I was in Korea and I lost weight and you sent me an email that you were like, I hate to admit it, but now I feel like I'm in competition with you. Oh, because, I don't even remember sending that. Yeah. Cause you were, that was when you were in a relationship with the boy who shall not be named uh back then and you had gained weight and you were just in a not great relation like it was not a good relationship at all yeah um and you had stopped caring about yourself because you were probably trying to fix him I would assume yep. that's what had happened 
And yeah, and so you saw me losing weight and you saw it as competition. And you told me that in an email. You said, yeah. you're like, oh, now I see it as competition. And that's when you started running marathons or you started to get back into running. Yeah. Was because you had seen me do that. And so we had never talked about your body image before that, but that was kind of when you started to, when I started to recognize that you had like body image issues. Um, so talk to me a little bit about your body image issues. What was it like for you in your body when you were, uh, like in elementary, middle school, high school, what was your earliest memory of being a body? I remember sitting on the stage in gym class in Bozeman, looking over at one of my classmates, um, looking at their thighs and then looking at mine. And I still remember the feeling, why were mine so big? interesting and I did I can't I can remember like it was yesterday and that was like where where I really was like I don't like this and then also at that point too was when like at that age so like grade seven ish was when you know boys start taking attention to females or whoever and um and I would get a lot of comments on my butt and my hips and stuff um we didn't have a lot of money. And so mom would have to make her clothes and she would always have to make my pants or my skirts longer in the back to compensate for my assets. Meanwhile, extra length and width onto mine. So like, like that we were privileged that we had a I know. mom who could sew and actually made clothes that fit our bodies instead of like us always being frustrated going to the store and not being able to find things. So I'm always like, thank God that we have yeah, that. I know we had our own custom like seamstress. Yeah, we had <laughs> which now as adults, it's like, wow, we were like fancy. Homemade stuff again. I, know. I just want to go to the sand store. <laughs> but anyways you were saying sorry <laughs> yeah no so for me that was kind of I just I still remember that was when I really started like I didn't like my body I I wanted to have smaller hips I wanted to have a flatter tummy I want to have smaller thighs um where do you yeah, think, and where do you think the thigh thing came from though because like mom and dad never really talked about diets or at least I wasn't aware they didn't really talk about bodies as like something to fix they were like oh here you can work like that's what your body's for I don't um, know though I'm, I'm curious like where that would have because obviously I also realized like maybe it was because you saw me getting bullied like from a maybe. young age and and because I was bigger so like our brains put those things together and say well bigger is bad from a yeah. very young age so I'm wondering if that's maybe because it wasn't mom and dad or and we didn't really have like much music or like we had farmer vision so we had nothing like on tv yeah it's like well 17 magazines and teen bop or whatever but yeah, yeah I remember though like like the Olsen twins right they were a bit mm. when we were there and I remember like wanting to like I need to look like them mm. and I don't so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, I still remember though, though, like it was the thigh that was one of the first things. And up until like just a few years ago, that's one of my, um, insecurities. Yeah. 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 But and then like, I had kids and I was like, God, I love my hips. Cause I put a baby on the hip and now I'm very one. blessed with them. You got two or now yeah. three <laughs> on the hip. So yeah, thank God. But that, but that's also true though. Like you, like 
I remember like, especially on the farm, they would always talk about women's bodies as like, oh, you've got birthing hips. Like, this is your job. Like, and so I definitely didn't. And so that was part of like, what made me feel like, oh, I guess that's not me, which I didn't want kids anyway. So I wasn't upset about it really. Yeah. But it was interesting how like those narratives kind of like created these roles for us almost like yeah well, if I can't be that then I have to do the complete opposite of that thing yeah or if I have that well I'm gonna lean into it and like make it my thing you know because that like you have two choices as our mother yeah would say. <laughs> yeah what? yeah so then so that was like junior high ish and then you got into high school uh and we were in high school at the same time you you came into high yeah. school when I was there so um you saw a lot of bullying that was happening or like teasing that was happening to me yeah I didn't even notice it was happening to me Um, yeah yeah so what was that like for you in terms of not not seeing me get bullied but your own again body image in high school is very different I think than junior high especially when our junior high consisted of like a class of what 10 kids and then you go to like high school where there's like 200 kids which again is not a lot for a lot of people listening because they come from schools where there's like 800 people in a school but (laughs) yeah I remember within high school it was um I didn't really have like I was friends with kind of groups of everyone I had friends in band I had friends in sports I had friends in the tiger's den I had friends in the front hall which were like the smokers and the drinkers and stuff um and for me it was more important I think to be liked by like everyone Mm. um then then it was like I didn't care about my like I it it wasn't important for me to have my own identity because it was you and now I'm not scared to admit it. Like I am someone, and now we know my strengths and stuff. I, I like to be liked. I like to be included. Um, yeah, but I would always compare myself. I know that to 110%. I would always compare myself to, to a lot of the girls. And girls have a tendency to start fights just to start fights. Maybe guys do too. I can't speak for guys. Um, and I remember there'd be some days I would come in and we'd have to share our lockers and all my books and stuff would be on the bottom, like with our wet shoes on top. And all of a sudden, like my friends or whoever wouldn't like me that day, two or weeks go by and then we'd start talking. Like, so why were you mad? And they're like, I don't know. We just felt like it. Hmm. See, and I never really ran into that because I learned early on, like, how to like who my friends were and then everyone else could just go fuck themselves essentially which is like really interesting to be like to have those two very different experiences like I didn't care at all if people didn't accept me I was like I don't want you to like me like I don't care if you like me because I don't really want you to like me necessarily yeah no it was like and then the fact that I they wouldn't tell me why they wouldn't like me Oh, was yeah, even would, harder for me. That would drive you absolutely nuts. So what did, so then how did you like, I would assume uh, if you're okay talking about it, like, is that That's when fine. you started to develop like eating disorders and things like that? No, I don't think I did back then. I think my eating disorders really happened when I moved out on my own. Mm. Um, After probably when I saw like you lose that weight and I got out of that relationship. Um, so for me, right, a lot of the things is I love control. Mm. And when I start to really lose control, I go back to my eating is one of the first things because that I can control myself. Um, in high school though, no, it was more so, 
I don't even know what I would do. I just remember I would always compare suck in my tummy. I would always, it wasn't until always wore jeans, even if it was freaking hot as hell out. Yeah. 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 And I think too, well, because like, and I used to ride horses, right? So in the summertime I lived in jeans too. So then I would always be insecure my legs because they were always white. Mm. My top half was tan from tank tops and t-shirts, but my Mm. bottom half was always white and my legs were always big. Like I always just felt like they never were nice to look at. So I never wanted to. Well, and if that's a belief you had from what grade were you in the first time? Oh, pro- I remember like five or six, like when we would first yeah. start having to change. So yeah, I think and, five. and because that you can remember it in such great detail, like that's a core memory, which means everything thereafter is going to confirm and reinforce that same belief. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So no wonder that was the belief even in high school and even up until you said like a few years ago, essentially, and it probably still is sometimes when you're more insecure, just in your life context, like the first thing you yeah. would probably go to is looking towards your legs because that's what we do. As humans. Oh, that is. And still like, yeah, if I'm looking at myself in the mirror or whatever, and the first thing I look at is my thighs. Mm. But yeah. now you're doing something cool. What did you just, what did you just, or I guess is just starting. It's yeah. yeah. Uh, I ended up buying a gym. Yeah. Um, but I'm to gym going. Oh, yeah. I see how you do it. You get people all hopped up on sugar and then you're like, now come to the gym. <laughs> exactly. It's all about balance. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but like I started the gym, I started going to the gym as, as a member, uh, after having my kids, I knew I couldn't do long runs anymore. Cause I didn't have the time. Um, and when I started, I remember going there I booked my free trial. I showed up, it was a Monday morning and the gym was closed. Oh. It was a U.S. franchise and their holidays were different. And I'm like, fuck, this is life's <laughs> way of like, how bad do you want this? Oh. So I came home and I'm like, no, you know what? Maybe this is life's way of saying like, I shouldn't do this. Um, but then the owner called me and he's like, Hey, he's like, come in tomorrow at 6am. Like, we'll still get you in for this workout. And so I went in and it was a lot of money at that time for my husband and I, we didn't have a lot of money, but there was something I knew. I knew I had to, I wanted to do something different, something that was outside my comfort zone. Um, cause I knew I needed to find myself again after having kids mm-hmm. and then, yeah, so that was like 2018 and then, or 2017. And then in 2020, I became a trainer because I loved, I loved predominantly with clientele or women who come in. Um, and I love being able to push them and find their strength and be able to Um, I take a lot of what you've taught me on how to love myself and I make them look at themselves in the mirror and just look at their beauty and their strength and really showcase who they are. So the opportunity arose last month after I just sold my one business. Um, (laughs) Give yourself 30 days of rest and relaxation, people. (laughs) Yeah, I finally got my Monday to Friday in my paycheck and I was 30 days as a non-entrepreneur and I bought another business. (laughs) but it's good it's good (laughs) but yeah yeah but no so I really want to focus on and that's why I'm working a lot with you on how to create a space where anyone of any fitness level and any body type and any orientation gender ethnicity um can come in and just really fine it's not about losing weight if that's what you want to do great but but you can just come in and enjoy fitness feel confident because 
you can now, you know, move 10 pounds over your head. Whereas last week or last month, you could only do five. Like there's just something so empowering about that. I find, and I just want to create that space now. What, what was the, what was the experience that you had when you were going to the gym, to that gym, um, where that happened for you, where you were like, Oh, I didn't think I could do this, but now I'm doing this. It wasn't until, so there, majority of the trainers are guys. Um, and the one day I went there and there was a female trainer, Jen Monkman, and she's now one of my trainers. And she put me through the paces <laughs> and I still remember it. And we were on round six and she gave me a freestyle. Like I've never had before because she didn't see me as a female. Mm. She didn't, Oh, she's not, you know, we can't push her as hard because she's a girl. Um, she didn't care. And I was like, that's was like, I wanted to be like that. And I wanted to not define anyone who walked in the gym because of their gender. And I still, and I say that to the guy trainers, I'm like, just cause they're female, doesn't increase their weight. Their body will tell them if they can't. Yeah. Don't treat them differently because they're females, but also though, um, the previous, um, business that was there, they would focus a lot on weight and then they would use the scale and, and I always would talk to the guy trainers and say, okay, you guys got to tread lightly. Cause with women, when you talk about weight, you don't understand. You can come in and work out one day and lose five pounds. Women can come in and work out for 30 days and only lose one if or none. Yeah. And that's just it. So I said, it's, and you want to talk about this to women in front of everyone. Cause it's an open mm-hmm. concept. Like I said, it's right. And that was just it. And I remember standing there and all the guys, our boss made us do all these in-body sheets. And everyone had like 15, 20% body fat. And there I am with like a 35% body fat. Mm. And I was like humiliated. Why? Because I felt like I shouldn't be. Why? Because I'm a trainer. I work at a gym. I shouldn't have this body. I, I, sh- I need to be like these guys. Mm. And that is why I'm like, I don't, I want to change that. And I want to change that stigma that now I go in and like, well, you, you saw me and I'm so proud of myself because even with this 35% body fat, I can hold pads with the best of them now, now there, and I can kick. And I look at how far I've come. And I finally, again, I say it's taken me 37 years to get here to finally be like, you know what? I'm not going to be a size two. And I don't want to, because I'm so proud of like my, my inner strength and just what I've overcome. And if this is what God's given me and I was able to have three healthy kids, then I'm okay with it now. Doesn't mean I don't have bad days. No, that's the thing that I always tell people. Cause they look at me and they're like, Oh yeah, you got your shit together. Body. I'm like, no, I still have shitty days where I'm like, Ugh. but then I just know how to redirect it instead of getting stuck in the cycle of, Oh, poor me. My body is so gross. Blah. Instead it's like, okay, I hear that thought. That wasn't mine. Like who taught me that? Do I want to believe that? Is this going to help me do the thing that I want to do? Like if you went into the gym and you had that thought of like, oh, I can't do that because of like the weight on my body or that I haven't gone to the gym before or whatever. Do you think your workout would be as good? Oh God, no. You've already in that mental 
state where that's the thing and even if and so your body doesn't have to change the thing that has to change is the thought that you have going into it saying like why not me why can't I do that like let me see if I can do that like why not and I think that's like one of the hurdles to get people to um, the part of the problem is diet culture stole fitness and movement away from women specifically because they said well if you're doing this it's really to lose weight yeah and it doesn't matter what size you are. That's the wildest thing to me is it doesn't matter what size you are. People, particularly those who were socialized as women are taught, well, you go to the gym because obviously you want to lose a little bit of pounds, right? Yeah. And it's like, no, I want to go because it's good for my brain. Yeah. You know, it's good for, so like in your gym, it's good for socialization because there's more people. Community. Yeah, yeah. like community is a big thing for you guys. So if you're into, like, want to socialize with people around something that's more positive than maybe drinking bottles of wine in night, yeah. um, you know, like, it's so much more than what it was sold to us as for so long that we now have to work twice as hard to get people to understand like no you can be here and like we don't have to worry about your measurements we don't have to worry about the scale none of that matters the fact is you showed up that's it that's the success Ta-da! you did it Um, and that's just it and like and I had members like who would come to me and they're like you know they just some of the trainers the owners like I'm not here to lose weight. I'm here just for a workout and to feel good. And they would almost leave feeling ashamed because they weren't losing weight. Yeah. And that wasn't and even what they wanted in the first place. No, exactly. And so then like, there was a few of them where I'd be like, look at yourself in the mirror. I said, when you lift that weight up, I said, every time you give yourself an affirmation. Mm-hmm. And then I have my stats that you taught me, like, right. Like every one negative is 12 positives or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and there was so many of them where they would just be in tears and they were like, you made me feel so strong and beautiful. And it's like, you are yeah. like, and it just, and it made me sad that they were coming there and they weren't getting that. Yeah. Or that someone was like taking it away from, they came, they did the work, they showed up and then they came into a space where it wasn't it safe wasn't because they enough. felt like they weren't doing enough. And that's just it. And that's where I'm like, no, like you can come here and you can work out. And it's like, just even mentally, like when gyms shut down during COVID, for a lot of us who enjoy gyms, like that is our mental health. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that's why like Jeff and I, we did still the outdoor, outdoor workouts and stuff, because for us, it was just, we love just to move our bodies. We love just to be active. Yeah. yeah Cause well, you used to obviously be a marathon runner. Did Jeff used to run? No, what he did? never did until he met me. Oh. <laughs> and <laughs> and he's ran she, one full marathon. Then she chased him around enough that he was like, fine, I'll run. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that's just like, even with the marathons, um, it would originally start it. Well, as a misread of what, how long a marathon was, um, <laughs> I thought it was only 10 K. So I signed up lo and behold is 42 K I had committed mom and dad taught us you finish what you started. Um, I, w- I would not start that. I would not finish that. <laughs> But the mental training that it takes to push your body 26.2 miles. And I use, I remember being in labor and having one contraction and like, okay, that's one contraction that I've done that I don't have to do again. Mm. Um, Cause I remember when I would run, I'm like, that's one step closer to the finish line. Um, and I use a lot of that now even working out and uh, some of the members and stuff, they're like, how are you always so positive? <laughs> um, and for me, it was just running marathons. Cause I was by myself running. Mm-hmm. I had 42 kilometers to be in my head 
to want to quit and to keep going. Um, yeah, even if the physiotherapist told me I was never going to run again, right? And it was just like, watch me. You're like, screw you. Exactly. <laughs> that is one thing that has also not gone away with age. Is there, no. if you tell her she can't do something, she's going to just do it anyways, just because. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Why not do exactly. it? She's basically it. the Kool-Aid man bursting through the wall. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's like the no the no is the wall and then Corey's just like nope (laughs) well now I guess you can kick her punch your way through it but (laughs) exactly oh that's crazy so let's talk a little bit about raising your kids and how (laughs) your eyes go wide uh well no I mean because your kids are really good like they're great kids like and of course I'm biased because I'm a cool auntie but I mean as far as kids go they're pretty good kids um they're respectful I mean you have them talking to waiters and waitresses and making eye contact and ordering their food from the time they could talk at like four years old or even younger um like it's always been important for you to instill these really strong core values in your kids so what is like what is one way that you work because now that they're a bit older that you still work to empower them so that they are responsible for their outcomes or does that make sense at all yeah well one of the things and and when they get in trouble and i or whatever and the discussion is i always say i said it's your choice Mm. you choose how to react right now so aid in our middle um he is an emotional, um, gentle teddy bear, but his emotions can get the best of him. And, and he's uh, turning 10 in October. So, I mean, he's still young, so he doesn't know how to really control them and stuff. And so with him, he, he gets a lot more opportunities, I think, to, to bring down his emotions. Because I've learned that not all my kids are the same. In the beginning, it was really, really hard. Um, because I wanted them to be like me and it was really and it took and you know that it took me a few years to finally accept Aiden and be able to be patient with him um and what works with Maddie doesn't work with him and it doesn't work with Nolan Mm -hmm. um so with Aiden it is like it's like you're you're choosing right now to react a certain way so if you choose that you you have to accept the consequences I chose many times to get in a car with a drunk driver or to go and steal things off people's lawns, or I chose to hang out with a group of people that would tease you, mm-hmm. right? I made those choices. And now I have to live with those consequences that, you know, knowing that I've hurt people and stuff like that. Um, and I, I want my kids to realize at a young age, because I find that I didn't understand that. Why do you think you didn't under, well, I, here's the thing. I think a lot of times people think that everyone has empathy, right? But not everyone does. Like, it's not easy to see things from other people's perspectives, right? Unless yeah. you, you, it is a net, like for me, I've just always been empathetic. Like, but I think that's because I was bullied from like kindergarten up like forever. Yeah. So I would always go inward and like, I could feel people's energy and like stuff like that. So I always did think like, how will this affect other people um but again also as the good kid is like you're always worried about other people's uh the way that other people are going to feel in regards to what actions you take which also is not a positive because now I will not do things in the benefit of myself because of other people 
Like I would, I feel Mm. too inconvenient to do things for myself or ask for help or whatever, because I don't want to rock that boat. So it can, it can go both ways and not a super great way. But I think that's, and if we think like we now know mom's strengths as well, and empathy was not one of mom's strengths, right? Like, and it's not that that doesn't mean she doesn't care. Obviously she cared enough to sew us like nice, like mom's a wonderful, she's going to be on the podcast too. Like she, we couldn't have asked for a better mother. Oh God, no. No, she just showed her support and her love in a different way though. Yeah. And, but that's what you do. And that's even though when when you were younger is you just didn't have the skill set like she doesn't have the skill set to empathize and consider, well, how could that affect this other person, especially when you're younger, too, like you don't have emotional regulation. And when you're a teenager, specifically, your brain literally separates. So this is why people make stupid decisions. Like I made stupid decisions, but most of them affected me, not other people, Mm -hmm. but some of them affected other people. Yeah. And there, but what happens is we carry that shame with us a long time. And sometimes that can cloud when we look at our bodies. A lot of times our bodies become the representation of the shame that we carry. Mm. So when you look at yourself in the mirror, you're not seeing your body because your body's just a physical thing that's going to change. Like it's yeah, biological, you know, it is what it is. But we make the connection of, oh, but I see all my bad things. Yeah, my bad things. This is the physical form of my bad things. Because if, like, if you think about it, if you saw somebody coming into your gym, they have the exact same body as you, the exact same legs as you, exact same facial structure, hair, whatever, exact same everything as you. The yeah. things you pick out on yourself, you would not see in them because you see all their goodness. Yeah. Right. But you know your bad shit, so all that bad shit is tied up in That's your. That's what you see. Self. Yeah um so that's well that got way off of what we were talking about with the kids but but, no, I, okay. think it's, but I think it's a, because it sounds like you hold a lot of shame about those things still oh I do 110 percent um and I think though too now like we never grew up with social media thank god uh, and online bullying and stuff and I want to make sure that my kids will never ever um contribute to that and we and it's very important to Jeff and I that not only do they not contribute to it though, that if they see uh, bullying happening, they stand up. Mm. They are not scared to stand up, right? Mm. And and we teach them boundaries now. And I think that's like, we are also, um, we're very blessed that we have like you and mom and your knowledge now, whereas we didn't have that when when we were kids and, and mom even yeah. talks about that, right? Like what yeah. we know now about ourselves individually and we can teach our kids about, and when I say our kids, I mean like mine and Jeff's, obviously. Yeah, mine too. I yeah. say they're, yeah, all the kids are my kids. But that's what I mean, like the family, right? Yeah. But we can teach them and give them like a head start. Like what we're finding out now in our mid 30s, yeah, we can help them shape as they're like eight, 10, and 11. While their brains are still smushy and lovely and willing to accept that. This is like when those yeah. kids are like, what, four or five, whatever. And I'd watch cartoons with them and I'd always pause it to be like, when they, when there'd be a character yeah. making fun of a fat character or a disabled character or whatever, I would always pause it. And I'd be like, now, why do you think Auntie Terry paused that? And you could see Aiden, like, this is the thing. Yeah. Like <laughs> my sister just slid down on her chair right now, but that's the that's thing is like eight, like but that tells me that they knew that it was wrong to be laughing yeah that that he could feel that 
discomfort already that something like I shouldn't laugh, but everybody else is laughing. So I'm going to laugh along with it. So that started when they were younger and then they got older and now they're like, oh, <laughs> every time I'm like, you'll thank me for it when you're like 30. <laughs> But yeah. I think it's so important to just, and I wouldn't like get mad at them, but I would be like, why like embrace that curiosity piece or when, yep. when they would say Ask about boys, boys wearing skirts. Well, why do you think boys can't wear skirts? And again, Aiden would be like, <laughs> he would not want to talk about it. But I'm like, yeah. why is that funny? And then get them to critically think about, yeah, why is that funny? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that you're good at is now like asking those questions, getting them to come to their own answer. Well, it was funny because I was wearing a, a tank top the other day and I had my arm up just on the back of a chair on a chair. Right. And I had some hair there and I guess I missed it when I was shaving or whatever. And Nolan's like, ew. And he was like disgusted. And he's like, why do you have hair there? And I said, well, I must have missed it when I shaved. He's like, why didn't you shave it all? And I said, well, daddy does what? Does dad shave his? He's like, well, no. I said, well, his dad's gross. And he's like, well, no. And I said, well, why is mine? Yeah. And it was like, and he at eight somehow has figured out that women are supposed to, that it's, if women don't shave their underarms, it's, it's gross. gross. Yeah. So now you, and I was like, know. where did he right? And obviously, and that's not, I mean, I do. And I shave because that's my preference. So, my preference he, only. so here's the thing though so when that so number one is he probably does he's old enough now to be getting it from other kids or like oh, yeah. looking at certain things but the thing is if he's only ever seen women's armpits without hair yeah he does see a woman's armpit with hair it's going to cause like his brain to be like that's not what that's not right confusion something's wrong but then he'll interpret it as bad or gross or weird or yeah. different just like anything else that we're not used to seeing this is why representation is so important and something i talk about all the time it's because if we don't see it then it becomes scary it becomes bad it becomes gross so now what you have to do is you have to show them pictures and pictures and pictures I did. Of lots of women good yeah i did i remembered i'm like oh this is my opportunity so i pulled up my phone i said well let's look it I said, it's not, a, it's not abnormal. It's not gross. And I said, just because I chose today to shave, I said, maybe I won't tomorrow. Like, I don't know. Right. Like it's whatever, but I said, it doesn't make someone gross. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's like one of the best things that parents can do. Cause I get that question a lot. Like, how can I uh, like build that in my, like build that mm -hmm. um, empathy in kids that maybe don't have it naturally, or they're not exposed to these things. Well, it's, your I don't have kids, but it's your job essentially to expose them to all the different ways of existing and help them not to see that it's good or bad or just that it is. Yeah. Right. And just be like, and I remember because they would make fun of like the kids would laugh at fat people or whatever. I'd be like, well, Auntie Terry's fat. So do you would you be okay if people laughed at her? And they're yeah, like, yeah. well, no, then why is it okay for that? And so just like that curiosity piece and encouraging them to like really come up with the answer on their own, because what happens most times, right? And you maybe did this at the beginning was like, don't do that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, shh, don't say those things out loud. Like we don't mm -hmm. talk about that. And then they, then that affirms that, yes, this is bad because we don't talk about it. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Think about Bruno, everyone. We don't talk about Bruno and they thought he was bad, oh, but he was good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that song. Yeah, exactly. So 
when it comes to like we obviously when I lived in Korea we didn't talk for a very long time and you were in a very not super great relationship at that time I've got letters from dad <laughs> saying yeah. that, like well it's her children <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that but that period of your life was like obviously quite tumultuous for you because there was a lot of things going on just like in our family life as well that was when dad moved to the city mom and dad both moved they were going through their relationship stuff I moved away Ryan was in Calgary that's our brother um like everyone left Mm -hmm. right and do you think that's part because you now know like looking back you're able to see like I really like to be needed and wanted and and desired in some capacity do you think that was part of what made you stay in that relationship longer than maybe you should have Probably. I mean, and probably just the fact is, I mean, we all know to me, I suck at change. Well, no, we don't use those phrases. Oh, sorry. I am. I don't accept change very well. Yeah, It's just, it's hard for me. It's hard, but it's not impossible. Yeah. So, so it's a little bit of everything is I'm traditional. Um, this is how it's been for the past two years. Um, I don't even want to look at what it's going to be like on the other side because I don't know. It's scary. Mm. Um, and I also, my, I had no self-confidence from that relationship. There was, uh, some physical abuse in it, some emotional, uh, a lot of drinking. Um, yeah. Right. And I, so I, I look back now and, and I feel that it's like, it is a part of my life and it's a chapter. Um, and I've, growing from it but I would never ever want any of my kids to go through that obviously you never want right but it's a part of my story it's part of who makes me and yeah so that's what I'm wondering like what part of that do you think you've taken away from that because you know mom and grandma always say find the good and the bad so like it is part of your story so what good came out of that or first of all actually let me go back one second how did you get out of that relationship? Because there's probably a lot of people listening to the podcast that, and when I say a lot of people, there's like a hundred people that listen, but that's fine. But, uh, but there's people listening that probably are in relationships that continue to degrade their confidence. So what was it finally that made you say, I'm out? It was like all of a sudden, uh, and I laugh about it because it was a light bulb moment that went off. Mm. Um, this guy, he wasn't really working and I had lent him some money to go on a bus, to go to a job interview. And I had been supporting him. And then he says to me about how I only lend him money to hold it over his head. And I'm like, no, meanwhile, I lent him money to get a job. So I wasn't paying for all the bills. Yeah. Whatever. And, um, but we're not upset about that. (laughs) No, but it was just like, like, what the fuck? yeah like Like, it was just like you hit your limit yeah like what no I want we are 21 yeah dad was still alive so 20 19 or 20 um and you should be working like I'm working apartment like you yeah everything was in like our names but I was like solely paying for everything and he would have enough money to go and buy alcohol and smoked I think he smoked um but yet when it, but all of a sudden I had to pay for a bus to get to a job interview and then you're going to get mad at me for it. Like, it was just like, okay, hell no. And then that was it. Is it interesting now, like hearing, you know, 
about da- like dad like yeah. what we learned a lot about our father as we grew up a bit and like he was very similar to that yeah for the most so is that surprising to you or was that like now no. are you like oh that may that makes sense <laughs> it does I mean it makes sense and I still see you know there's things like my current husband Jeff who I love dearly and he's an amazing father and an amazing husband and he puts up a lot with me <laughs> um but I still see lots of dad in him mm. and there's also a sense of comfort in that right well, like like my this, that's what I tell people a lot is like, just because it's comfortable doesn't mean it's good for you. Right. Like, yeah. because that's what naturally we're drawn to is safety in whatever form it takes. It can be a person, it can be a thing, it can be a hobby or a habit. Um, yeah. if it's what you had and that is, yeah, you're, especially if you're a traditional person, you're like, well, this, this feels comfortable here, even yeah. if it's not safe, it, your brain makes you think it is because the opposite of that you don't know you've never done so your brain's like oh we don't know what that would be like so that's terrifying so let's just stay here instead okay (laughs) yeah yeah like it was just no and he was like big into material things which i am not like tell me you appreciate me before a thousand dollar dog yeah, we did. They it's bought a, it was a cute dog, but listen, people. It was two pounds. There's a five hundred dollars a pound. And it <laughs> ate this stupid little sheep doll. No, it just ate the eyes out of it. It, it yeah. would eat the eyes out of stuffies. <laughs> just like a little devil dog. But like I remember when you were like, it was was it two thousand dollars? No, it's a thousand dollars, five hundred bucks a pound. And I just like we come off the farm where you just go and get like mutt dogs all the time. And this was like a purebred, like white fluffy situation. Yeah. We were like, what? <laughs> it was yeah, I know. It's, I you know, those were not my my best years. Well, but all of us have have those. I think that they were growing. Well, and that's just it. And the things that you learn from being in that relationship, or I think it's also important that you give yourself credit for getting the fuck out of that. Like, I don't know if you ever stop to say, wow, I got out of that. That's awesome. Oh yeah. No. And I look back now, like, and I, for those of who know my, my young adult years, I went through a stage, especially after dad died of a lot of drinking and sleeping around. Um, And I am very blessed that I didn't end up dead. Mm. I didn't end up with an STD or pregnant. You know what's funny? I said those same things about myself when I was in Korea. <laughs> and I still, and I'm not ashamed of it. And I talk about it. And I, we all like part of my story, I was sexually assaulted on July 1st. Like it was, I am very blessed to be able to walk away, be able to tell these stories, but I'm very proud of myself to be able to say I did walk away. And I'm not ashamed of it. I've learned from it. Now, what can I do to teach like Maddie, my daughter, right? Or the boys, Aiden and Nolan, so that they don't make those kinds of mistakes. Or if they do, how to have compassion for themselves when they do. Because ultimately, kids are going to be kids. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And that's, yeah, right? You just, yeah, get excited. I mean, maybe it won't be as bad, but uh, we can only hope, right? That it gets a bit easier. But but that's where too, like, again, I always say, like, it goes back to mom and dad. They did instill us with an inner confidence, even though it didn't feel like in the moment that we were confident. You were confident enough to get out of that. I was yeah. confident enough to get out of the things that no longer served me. Like, we were confident enough to know, we have a very strong foundation that our parents gave to us. And now we get to double down on that even more so 
with like your kids and so on well it's funny because our mom has a saying and I just put it on a poster for the gym and growing up we hated it and we would groan um there's no such word as can't you can but it's hard and and I now as a parent and I groan when I say it because I'm like oh lord it's my mom it's in my book (laughs) (laughs) but that's just it right and it's so true so even in any situation like in that relationship it's not that I can't get out of it. It's going to be hard. Yeah. I don't know what's on the other side, but I can do it. Yes. And I think right. that's like, yeah. And I think that's like, we always had that. And so now it's like, you always hope that the next generation is just a bit better than the generation yeah. before. Right. And so mm-hmm. now that's what we had. So now we can do that for the, your kids and Ryan's kids and whatever. And then they could do that for their kids and so on. And it'll hopefully just get easier and easier. But the thing is at, and at no point do people get to escape the human condition. We all have to experience. Yeah. Hardship, grief, sadness. So before we wrap up, though, I do want to talk a little bit uh, because you did bring up like obviously dad's death was incredibly traumatic. Um, And you kind of you and mom actually went to counseling right after he passed away and I didn't. And so I just like swallowed all of my feelings about that and just went right back to work. Just went right back to work. It's fine. Everything's cool. Don't worry about it. Normalcy. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, everything was great. But to be honest, like those last few days that we spent in the hospital with him were incredibly traumatic. But also at that point, like it's such a, I don't know if you felt it this, were you in the room when he died? Yeah. 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 I didn't, I did not cry that day because you were crying, I think. And mom, obviously. I, there was, I remember it. Um, it was relief. Yeah. Um, and I remember feeling guilty because I was so excited to finally be able to get out of that room. And I felt guilty about it yeah. because I was happy. Same. Yeah. And I, that, that was why I didn't talk about it for a long time, I think was because it was so confusing. Like, how can I be happy that my dad's dead? Yeah. Right. But, and I think that's the thing that a lot of people that go through caring for somebody that eventually that is the outcome um that is that complexity of feeling like obviously you're sad you wish they could be there but by the end they're not who they are no and it's not fair to them anymore to stay um but as a child you're like nobody should ever wish this on a parent and feel like I just want to go back to work I just want to go back to my life and that was it. It was a sense of like elatedness of just like, I can go out with my friends tonight mm. and not think about it, not like be able to shower at home. Mm. And um, like, cause it was nine days in palliative care with six of us in a room, like with someone who's dying, like it's, yeah, it was dramatic. And like my brain aged me. I remember when I went to therapy and they were like, oh, like how old were you when that happened? I was like, I don't know, like 26. And then she's like, that math doesn't. No. She's like, that doesn't math. And I was like, wait, what? She's like, I think you were like 23. I was like, what? I was 22. No. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so crazy. Like my brain was like, oh no, to protect you, we're going to make you think you were older when it happened. Like that's wild. Um, and then coming out of that, you had mentioned that obviously you turned into like you turned to partying and like doing a lot of that stuff. 
was that to work through the not work through the grief but um to work through the guilt that you were feeling that yeah you were, I don't know like I mean I was doing, doing a lot of that, that before because I remember dad would be like I would show up for family dinner and dad's like how drunk were you last night mm. like and we would laugh about it um but then after dad died and it was yeah I just wanted to turn off yeah and I would just let go but I remember I would have so much anger when I would drink Mm. um I would punch things I would throw things I mean it was the Taz that would come out mm. um yeah and it wasn't until I met Jeff though and like and he actually the one who um when we were roommates and he had a they were roommates we were roommates I was not at that time I was not looking for a guy of course um <laughs> but he had a heavy bag hanging in his basement he came down and I was just punching it and I didn't have my hands wrapped my knuckles were bloody Cause it was a year after dad died hmm. and, uh, and he's like, what the hell? So then he taught me how to wrap my hands. Right. And it was like, now was look at of- you guys have the gym. I didn't know that story. Oh, well, yeah. and he taught me how to safely punch and work anger out on a bag and he would wrap my hands for me. And yeah. Oh, things I didn't know. That's so sweet. Did you think of that when you opened this gym? No, actually I didn't until right now. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, you should tell that story somehow in your social media or something. You should. It's a really good story, but also just learning how to punch properly. So you don't hurt yourself, right? That's why you should come to the gym. Like it's good advertising. So, um, but I mean, that's a good story. That's a really good part of your story for sure. Now it's coming full circle. It is. Now you're teaching other people how to wrap their hands. Exactly. Oh, (laughs) sweet all right well that's enough of that do you have anything that you want to say to anybody on the topics of body image creativity or authenticity my biggest thing and is one is it's never too late to start Mm, um it's taken me 36 years I'm now 37 but I've done a lot of work uh this past year on really finding who I am um So A, it's never too late to start. And I found for me, I couldn't, I couldn't change things unless I was going to say them out loud. Oh. And it wasn't until like I admitted to myself and my therapist and stuff that I am someone who can be very verbally abusive. Um, right. I can, I can be vicious with words. Um, and when I was finally able to say those words out loud, um, then I was able to like get help for them and how to be a better person. And, and, and I'm not being a better person for my husband or for my kids. Like I'm doing it for me and they get to all reap the benefits of it. And I know that. Um, but ultimately I know for me, I'm not happy with the way I was. Yeah. And I would always call me and be like, "Ah, I said this thing or I did this thing. And now I feel guilt and shame about the fact that I did this thing, which tells us that, yeah, you were not happy with the person you were being. No. Um, And don't be scared to ask for help. It has taken me a long time. And even just in this new business venture in the past three weeks, after you bring me out for not asking for help for my (laughs) color choices, and now I'm like, even though I feel like an inconvenience, I know I don't know how to do these business cards. I'm just going to ask because mine does not look good. <laughs> um, 
And lo and behold, everything is coming out 10 times better than if I didn't ask for help. Yes. It's always better to ask because worst thing they're going to say no, but then you just ask somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the thing I think I had to, I also had to come around to that. I think because both of us were raised to be strong, independent people that don't need no one. Like yeah. that is kind of our mantra. Um, and I don't know where, like, obviously mom is also the same way. Like, I don't need, I don't need your help. I'll do it myself. Cause then you yeah. don't risk the disappointment of somebody saying no. For you, it looks, that feels like rejection of you as a person. Yeah. For me, it like confirms that I'm in an in inconvenience, which is my story. And so it's important for us to push those stories aside and say, I have a right to ask. They have a right to say no. Yeah. Right. But they have a right to ask, or I have a right to ask. And I think that's really important that at least you do the asking. Whatever happens after that, you're not responsible for <laughs> Yeah, and I read this or I heard this uh, thing once and it was another, it was a female, it was probably on TikTok or something. And she said, one of the things she learned um, and she preaches is never say no to yourself. Let someone say no to you. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you would be surprised at how many opportunities there are out there that if you just were like, oh, I'm not qualified. Mm-hmm. I don't deserve that raise. Whatever it may be, I'm not worth it. Um it's not like don't say no to yourself let someone say no you don't need that raise or whatever it is try for it like go for the thing try like ask for the job ask for the raise ask for the whatever again you have the right to ask they might say but that's not yeah you might be surprised at how many things are given not given to you but you worked for well that's the thing is the amount of there's like a few people in my life that are very much they're like what's the harm in asking like i i am a bit more risk averse to asking for help or things like definitely mm-hmm. i'm like oh they're gonna think i'm this they're gonna think i'm that you know but there are some people that i know that are just like well i'm just gonna go find out if they'll let me do this and every single time they're like upgraded to first class or i'm like you can't do that and they're like it's worth a shot yeah <laughs> that's that's ballsy but good i know and that's just it like i'm like i i'm working on it i feel you would be really good at that at selling it depends what it is because you're very strategic so you'd be very good at selling people on why they should say yes yeah Yeah, look at you're like "Mm -hmm, yeah Yeah, i can (laughs) i know i can i'm a talker it's true clearly that's why we've been on here for an hour now but um good no usually these are about an hour so it's fine um but yeah so i'm gonna ask you one last question which is just oh, a fun one. what is your favorite memory of me as your sister that just whatever pops into your head just trust it calgary stampede ah yeah that was fun we did a road trip from winnipeg all the way to calgary and then back in my little honda i think it was at the time yeah uh and there was a cheese slice incident i was my gonna sister, say that was where i found out my fear of my, cheese slices my sister desperately not just hates cheese slices but is fearful of them <laughs> and uh she had to unwrap this the cheese to put it on the sandwich because i was driving and it fell on her leg and you would have thought a bee had entered the car <laughs> and i was like is this real like is this actually happening and then we had to sleep in uh in the car the one night and we pulled into this like abandoned place we're like did you hear that scream <laughs> let's drive yeah. to the, let's drive to a place that has lights <laughs> but yeah that yeah. was a lot of fun yeah that was yeah. Like, like, the cowboy phase yeah that's just it calories lloyd robertson we met oh we did yep i had mm-hmm. his signed autograph picture <laughs> yeah yeah. And then we went to the pancake uh remember 
we were helping them with the pancake breakfast the next morning um for uh i think it was like the like folks with disabilities or whatever remember we went and helped i remember being there i don't remember what we did i think it was a pancake i don't know if we went just to have the pancake breakfast or we were helping with it i don't remember oh. but we went i remember yeah. that was part of it. i remember the outfit i wore it was like a sleeveless red top with a collar very like 2000s with like the jeans <laughs> and the belt <laughs> <laughs> very lizzie mcguire of me oh lord yeah awesome yeah. well thanks Corey, for being or Cor, Cor, i should say we don't really call ourselves by our names to each other Corey no. calls Cor, Cor, tear, tear. yeah uh but thank you for being on the podcast we'll probably have you on again and talk about something else in the future but uh i hope this was fun for you and it wasn't too terrifying no it was good it was, it was just i didn't know what questions i was like I know, oh my god what she's gonna ask you <laughs> <laughs> no that was just it no once i start talking i'm good all right well where can people find out more about you about your gym your mission and all that good Ooh, stuff yeah so you can obviously find us on social media peg city fitness um or our website pegcityfitness.com um yeah check us out come in you can come in for a free trial uh you can do we have walk-in rates we have punch cards or you can book unlimited memberships 99 dollars a month um it's just really come be in a safe space um very inclusive community and just enjoy punching stuff oh yeah that's what your slogan should be by the way just enjoy punching stuff exactly <laughs> awesome so, bye yeah